Good morning. We're in Romans chapter 12 this morning. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles, Romans uh, chapter 12, we'll be reading verses 9 through 21 this morning. We're in this sermon series that's entitled, You Are Welcome Here. Uh, we're trying to create welcoming environments that nurture everyone into the life here at Cornerstone. And over the last two weeks, we paid attention to that word, you, that it refers to any and everyone, whether you struggle with sin, whether you struggle with doubts, whether you have brokenness in your life, you are welcome here. Today, I want to maybe key in on that word welcome and talk about what that means. But to start out, I want to start with a story that you can find in Luke's gospel in the seventh chapter. It's about a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to his house for dinner. It begins with the Pharisee's invite, the dinner, and then Jesus reclining at the table. And even at that point, it seems as though Jesus has been welcomed into the Pharisee's home. But everything changes, we're told, when a sinful woman invites herself into Simon's home. She pours perfume on Jesus, wipes his feet with her tears and her hair. The Pharisee, the owner of the home, was shocked. And he said to himself, if this prophet were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is and that she is a sinner. And then we're shocked as the readers to learn that up until that point, we believed that Simon, this Pharisee, had welcomed Jesus into his home. But in reality, he had not because Jesus says these words. Do you see this woman? I came into your home and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears. You did not give me a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And in this complete picture of reversal, it is the sinful woman who welcomes Jesus into the home of Simon the Pharisee, not this religious elite person who should have loved and welcomed the Son of God. We're told neglected his call to welcome. And so this morning I want to talk about welcome. Christians seem to be really good at welcoming people. But sometimes I believe we do it just like Simon the Pharisee did. We smile. We can feed people. We can be kind. But there's a missing element that I'm calling love. Let's look at today's text to see what welcoming in love 
really looks like. Love must be sincere, we're told. You're to hate what is evil, but to cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with God's people those who are in need. Offer and practice hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who uh, rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a lot to read. Let's ask God's blessing on this passage this morning. Father God, we do ask that you will bless this time that we have together. I pray that your words will speak life into our hearts, that you'll open our minds and our, our ears and our eyes to, to your truth. I pray that you'll guide and lead us in that truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning, I want to take these uh, just thoughts that Paul kind of tosses out there, right? He seems to be all over the place. And he's, don't do this and do this. Don't do this. And do this. And I'm going to do my best today to just kind of bring it all together so we can see some sort of pattern that maybe it will help us posture ourselves in a way of love as we welcome people. Uh, the first posture is the one that stood out the most to me it is to hate what is evil, but to love those who do evil. To hate what is evil, but to love those who do evil. And I'm using the word evil here intentionally because I see it all over the text. How many times did you see the word evil as we read this text this morning? And on the surface level, this passage may be a little bit contradictory. Paul says to hate what is evil... He says, don't repay evil with evil. But then as we talk this morning, I mentioned that we're to welcome sinners, people who have sinned. And we see as Jesus <clears throat> was welcomed by this sinful woman. I think it's helpful to go to the Greek here and see the difference between the words evil and the passage. For example, the Greek word in verse 9, when it says, hate what is evil, 
is Panawan. Panawan is not just evil, but it's a malignant evil person or thing. It's malignant. It spreads. The whole purpose of this kind of evil is to spread. But elsewhere, when he talks about evil, the word is actually kakan, which refers to wrongdoings or sinful behavior. One is a sin that spreads, and the other is the act of sinning. <coughs> and here's my point. We should not be welcoming to a malignant tumor of evil. Amen? This kind of person must be removed from the community. But we are welcoming to someone who has done evil, who may continue to do evil, but who is seeking the freeing power and transformation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we welcome and love we bless those who persecute us. That's evil. We don't repay wrongdoing. We don't repay evil with more wrongdoing, with more evil. We overcome wrongdoing, sinful behavior by doing good. In one of Aesop's uh, fables, he describes an old man who had several sons. They were always fighting with one another. He had often, but to no purpose, encouraged them to live lives together in, in harmony. And, and so one day, he called them together, he gathered, gathered a bundle of sticks, he tied them together, and he asked each one of them to break that bundle of sticks. Well, none of them could do it, right? The father cut the cord that tied together the, the sticks, and he told to break, his sons to break them separately. And that was done with great ease. See, my sons, the old man said, the power of unity. Bound together by brotherly love, you may defy almost every mortal danger. But divided, you will fall prey to your enemy. And that famous passage in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We cannot stand with a malignant tumor of evil in our community that is just spreading evil. But if we try to pretend that we don't got some wrongdoing in our lives, we're a little bit more like these brothers who just can't get along. But if we just bind ourselves together, friends, and an acknowledgement in a life that is full of a welcoming of those who have done wrongdoing. We might be able to overcome sin in Jesus' name. All right, here's another posture for you to consider. It's to play second fiddle. You heard that term? To play second fiddle. Specifically, Paul here says to honor others above yourself, right? In verse 10. And then verse 16, he says, 
Do not be conceited. Don't be proud. Don't be too proud to associate with people in low position. Play second fiddle. The first chair in the orchestra is a coveted position because you're considered the best at your instrument. You're admired and you're followed by others. I didn't play an instrument in high school, but I sang in a choir, and quite honestly, I sang second fiddle to a man by the name of Marcus Ketterman. My whole high school career, Marcus Ketterman was first chair singer. He sang bass, I sang bass, but he could sing lower than I could. He had better intonation. He could read music better. The dude was awesome, I'm not going to lie. But I quite honestly resented him because he was better than me. Everybody knew it. And we can't be a welcoming community if we play first chair to everyone around us. And we certainly can't if we choose to play second fiddle and then resent others, right? So how do we behave? Luke uh, gives us a picture of this in Luke 14 when Jesus gives this story. <clears throat> he said he noticed how the guests picked places of honor at the table. And so he told them this parable. He said, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. <clears throat> and if that's the case, the host will invite both of you, will come to you and he'll say, give this person your seat. And then in humiliation, right, you're going to have to take the last seat, the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So when the host come, he'll say to you, friend, what are you doing there? Move on up to a better place, and you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. Therefore, Jesus says, these words that ring true to us today, if we are to have a posture of welcoming, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so we have to humble ourselves if we are to be, have a posture of welcoming people in love. All right, I have one more for you this morning. <coughs> Feel free to write this one down. The, finer the final posture we must have is to practice peace. Paul says to share with those in need, to practice hospitality. He says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Practicing peace in our community means that we are hospitable people to those around us, especially to those that don't look like us, who don't make the same amount of money as we do, who may have different opinions than we do. We've got to practice peace. All right, kids, I love cows. Malachi, you love cows? 
Malachi likes cows. Charlie, you like cows? Asher? Yeah? You want to know why I like cows? I love steak. I could go for a Texas, rib, uh, Texas Roadhouse ribeye right now. I don't know about you all. And I love cheese. Amen? Yes, cheeseburgers. I love smoked Gouda. It's my favorite cheese. Oh, and I love milk. Y'all love milk? Man, here's my perfect day. A big bowl of cereal with all kinds, just, just full to the top with milk. And then a cheeseburger for lunch. And then a steak for dinner, right? Maybe some chocolate milk thrown in. <clears throat> I love cows for selfish reasons. They got what I want. Milk, cheese, and meat. Some of you all love others like I love cows. You love them for what they can give to you. You don't love them because they're children of God. You don't love them because God loves them. You love them because of what they can give you or what they have. This kind of love does not lead to peace. John chapter 15 verse 12 says, My command is this, to love each other, as I have loved you. And Jesus' love drew people to him. His love brought peace. His love was selfless. His love was kind. His love is our model and posture for when it comes to peace. So let's look at this from the perspective of our sermon series. You, and all of your sin, and all of your doubt, and all of your brokenness are welcome here. You are welcome, not as the Pharisee welcomed Jesus, not with just a kind word and a smile, but truly welcome. It's a posture of true and humble love. And I believe that's the kind of love, that's the kind of community God has called us to be. As we move into our time of communion this morning, I want to invite you to go to one of our three communion stations. As we sing this next song, go to the t station and take your cup, bring it back to your seat and reflect how God has shown his love to you. And then after we're done singing, Dennis is going to come forward and share a few thoughts, and we'll take communion together. Let's pray together, please. Father, I'm thankful for this day and for this example that you showed in Romans chapter 12 of a perfect kind of love, a love that brings peace and humility and this welcoming posture that you've called us to be. And I pray Dear Lord, that you will change our hearts, that you'll transform our lives, that they can reflect who you are. That, Father, we could be a little bit more like that sinful woman who, who poured perfume on your feet. Help us to be that kind of loving with one another.
Father, as we take communion, we honor, we glorify you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.